Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Eating Crow with Pete Durand. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Eating Crow podcast. I am joined by someone I'm excited to have in the program. Ben Binder is from the UK, near London, I understand. That's right, isn't it, Ben? Yeah, that's great. So he's a fitness guy. I'm a fitness guy, just with a little less hair. And we're going to find out how Ben built his company, and we're going to dig into his background a bit. It's very interesting. I love his content, love his messaging. It's spot on. You can't argue with it. So Ben, tell us, when did you first get the fitness bug? Was it as a kid, or is it something you picked up when you were older? When did this all start? So I've been playing football for years and years. I used to go down to the park when I was 10 years old and I'd be there for hours and hours. And that just continued. I remember as I was growing up, I lacked confidence a lot. And one day I was like, why don't I try the gym? So I went to the gym and from that moment, everything changed. It took a while to change, but it really helped me sort of push out my comfort zone. And ever since then, I've been addicted. And that was when I was 16 years old. I went to the first one to the gym. And then now it's been like an everyday thing. Was there... Someone at the gym in particular that helped you, or did you kind of just learn it on your own? I just learned it by myself. I think it was just a sense of going there, pushing past certain barriers in terms of weights. And I guess in in muscular pain as well, Mm -hmm. you've always got that barrier. And pushing past that barrier sometimes can really impact the way you feel. So you get a sense of of achievement every time you leave the gym. And that was the biggest thing that changed my mindset. So I played, I played. I guess football would be the appropriate term, soccer, growing up as well. All my kids yeah. play at a competitive level. Was the attraction of the gym versus playing on the pitch different because you could control your input and your output directly versus being in a team environment and not necessarily have as much control? What And I'm, I'm, I'm just guessing, what were the things that attracted to you being in a gym versus being in a team environment? So I think in a team environment, I was very shy. Ah. When it came to football, I was around friends I was completely fine and I would play my normal game as soon as I went into a, a game or 11 side game or something I would just completely go off the radar um, I wouldn't try and get the ball I wouldn't run with the ball I would, I would do nothing I'd stay far away from it and I think having that sense of just freedom when I was by myself at the gym I think that was the difference between the two it's a great point I like to work out by myself and I like to push myself to the point where I'm uncomfortable, I'm in, in pain. And my wife likes to tease me and say I'm, I'm a bit of a psycho. But I do en- I enjoy the quiet time. It's one of the few moments of the day where no one's emailing me or calling me and I can focus on putting my body to the point where I feel exhausted when I'm finished. It's very satisfying. And you're right. In a team environment, there are people who react well there and there are people who prefer to be by themselves. When did you decide that okay, I've got this passion for being in the gym. I've discovered some things that are pushing my body to, obviously to points where I hadn't done that before. When did you start to combine nutrition into the mix? So I actually, I used to eat really badly. I've gotten a bit bit of an obsessive personality. Mm -hmm. So when I was in my teenage years, I would buy packs of biscuits and big packets of crisps and eat all of them Mm -hmm. and go through loads of junk food and I think the point which sort of made me switch was starting at the gym and then gradually as I started to get a bit older I started to feel a bit different Mm -hmm. Uh, I started to become more bloated 
feeling a bit run down. Things in my body were just changing. So um, that's when I decided to sort of get away from the junk food mm-hmm. and then come on to the, uh, the a different form of eating. Yeah. But again, it wasn't it wasn't the best straight away. Right, right. It's taken me a long time to kind of develop that balance. And I, I don't think, I, I think a lot of people start their, their weight loss journey believing they can accomplish that in the gym. And you can't. Yeah. Your weight is primarily derived by what you eat. Your health is derived by what you do. That's my, my motto, right? And the gym is where you get healthy and in the kitchens where you lose weight. And also the kitchen impacts how well you can work out. To your point, you were feeling bloated, not a lot of energy. So they're very intertwined, but you can't outrun a cheeseburger or a bag of chips. You just, you can't, right? They're just yeah, it's right, too many dense calories in a short period of time. It's impossible. So it looks like you spent some time at Virgin doing some training, and then you founded your own company called The Fitness Works. Was that a, a one-on-one personal training company? What, just describe what that was. So The Fitness Works was a personal training agency. We would go into corporates and provide personal training, yoga sessions, Pilates sessions, anything they needed. And then look after the gyms. So if they had a gym within their office, we would look after the gym and we would train with their staff and, and whatever they needed, really. And how big did you grow that? I mean, you ran the business for almost eight years. How many employees did you have at one point? So we had our highest. We had eight coaches. So it wasn't massive, but we trained a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So we were doing over 100 hours a week. Oh, wow. And having been, I'm a certified trainer and I, and I, and we'll talk about this more, having built a fitness app, what frustrated me as a trainer is I was not scalable, right? I only had so many hours in the week, which meant my income was capped. My ability to reach people was capped. There had to be a better way. So what about the fitness works drove you to create Avatrax? What, what was the, what was the impetus for that movement? Well, I think it's, it's pretty much what you just kind of said. I think there's only a certain amount of people that you can actually help. Sure. And there's only a certain amount of hours in the week. So I think I felt I had to do something in terms of going into tech mm-hmm. because I think the industry is changing massively as well. Yeah. And I think it will massively change over the next five years. So I want to do something and I want to do something different as well. So Avatrax is slightly different to what I was doing and it's slightly different to personal training. Sure. It's much more holistic. Yeah, that was the, that was the main reason. So when people use Avatrax, are they, how do you reach them? How do you market to them? How do they find you? What's the best strategy for you to reach new clients? So to be honest, we've been around for about nine months. Mm-hmm. And we're a corporate product at the moment. Individual people can okay. use it. So users can come on board as well. It's on the App Store, which is cool. And in terms of marketing, it's all through the socials at the moment. And a lot of people are going through word of mouth. Okay. When someone finds you, what is the first thing you'd like them to see, understand, or feel when they open the app? What is the experience you're going for? The experience, good question. I want them to feel like this is going to be a journey. I don't want them to feel like we're opening this fitness app and we're going to change tomorrow or we have to change tomorrow. Okay. Because I think a lot of people in a lot of people's eyes, when they go on a weight loss journey or gaining muscle, whatever it is, it has to happen now. And if it doesn't happen now, then they give up. So we want them to understand that when you come onto the app, you're going to be with us for six, nine, 12 months before you can actually see a huge change and before you understand that this is the way forward for me because everyone is different. When people sign up, how many people typically get through those first eight weeks? What's the retention like? So at the moment, it's, it's pretty good. We don't have a huge amount of users. We haven't really been pushing it because we're just figuring out I guess what the best model is in terms of what works for everyone. 
but yeah, it's not too bad at the moment. When someone engages in the app, are they communicating with you and your team behind the scenes or is it all in the software in the app? Is it all contained? How's the content transitioned to an individual user? So we have four pillars, sleep, mindfulness, nutrition, mm-hmm. and movement. The idea is that users track those four. They connect mm-hmm. with other team members or other members on the app who they want to connect with, mm-hmm. and they connect with the coach. The coach will then see their data, and we will then send them messages and give them recommendations, suggestions, and so on, based on their data. So it's all very personalized towards that individual. Are there specific exercise routines or guides or protocols you would give a user as well as nutrition, or is it more about just high-level coaching? So at the moment, I've literally stayed away from the gym, and I've stayed away from nutrition plans. And the reason for that is because lots of people do not like the gym and lots of people don't like nutrition plans. So what we're trying to do is basically tell them, go for a walk every day, start to increase that walk. When you've increased that walk to just say an hour a day where you feel good, your mind's going to trigger you to want to do something else. When you want to do something else, we're going to be there for you to then give you the tools to say, why don't you go for a run now? Or why don't you go go to the gym? And the same applies to nutrition. We want you to understand what you're eating first and then build that plan around you so it's sustainable in the long term because we can take you through a program, but in two years' time when you finish with us, you're not going to have any idea what you're going to do. So it sounds to me like the nutritional guidelines are more about making healthy decisions versus necessarily tracking calories or specific diet plans. It's more about, hey, how did you do today? What changes did you make today? Did you not eat a bag of chips? Did you substitute with something else? Okay, good. So that to me, that's important because a lot of people, and again, I never wanted to train Olympic athletes, right? They were, they were, their goals were different. I wanted to train someone who's very poorly out of shape and mentally and physically exhausted and doesn't know what to do. So those baby steps are important. I'm not as aware of the cultural views towards exercise, nutrition in the UK as I am in the United States. Do people view the gym as a good place or a place of evil in the UK? So I personally think evil. I think people would think it's evil. Okay. It's also quite a scary place. It can be quite a scary place. I think if you're a newbie there and you just started and it's your first session in, you've got lots of people in the, the weight section. And most of the time, these gyms, they've got the weight section and they've got the cardio kits. The cardio okay. kits completely separated. But as soon as you sure. enter that weight section, you've got people throwing weights around. You've got people making these crazy noises. So it's not really a place where someone will feel comfortable going if it's their first time. Yeah. It's intimidating. It's intimidating, yeah. So I think it's seen as a bit a bit of an evil place. Are group exercise gyms becoming more prominent in the UK? They're very popular here, particularly among women. And they seem to do very well. And I think part of it is like my wife prefers to exercise with a group of women. She she enjoys the camaraderie. She likes rooting others on. She likes it when they root her on. And I'm, I want nothing to do with that. So how is group exercise being viewed in the UK? That's picking up a lot. It is. Okay. There's a lot more studios opening up. There's a lot more things that you can do online now as well mm-hmm. when it comes to summertime in the parks and things like that. But that's, yeah, that's really coming around now. And you can leverage that in the app by saying, you know, find a group exercise, find a class you're comfortable with. And the good thing about group exercise is there's not a lot of heavy weights. It's typically people you can align yourself with peers who are in the same situation you are. That's wonderful. When you first engage with a client through the app and there's a coaching session, are these live discussions or are they done through text messages? It's all through messaging at the moment. Okay. And it's it's pretty much we want to basically guide you rather than tell you what to do. 
Okay. So it's only small suggestions and recommendations, but the idea is that we keep an eye on you. And then in two weeks' time, we don't see you make those changes. We'll then reach back out and say, how can we help you make these changes? How many people are, and I think this is what I discovered in, in, in the U.S. and dealing with this for, for seven or eight years, it's the exercise and nutrition is not complicated. Yeah. It's, really, it's really very simple, but it's not easy. Right, particularly someone who has let their health decline for you know twenty years, and now they wake up and I don't know what the right word of stone would be, but they're four hundred U.S. pounds, right? Four hundred pounds. They're they're big, and they can't remember what it was like to be healthy. And every step, particularly in exercise, is so difficult. But there's something else going on underneath that's caused them to get there. How how do you address that in messaging, or how do you reach through the phone and help them? kind of get around the, the thing they might be running from or the thing they're struggling with, how important is that as part, as part of the success of the program? So I think that's, that's key. But I also believe that that takes time. It takes time for the person on the other end actually to trust you and to want to give you that information. Once you've built up that trust and they're aware this information isn't going to go anywhere else, right. it's going to stay strictly with us, then we figure out a plan of, okay, this is the reasons why you went this direction now let's think about how we can get you back to where you used to be sure while dealing with all of those those problems that you had that's important you use the word trust and i think that is if you can establish that then someone will probably hang with you longer and share the good days and the bad days they've got to get to that point oh yeah and it's difficult because sometimes you know you're three weeks in you're sore you're hungry you're not happy and you just quit Let's step back for a minute, Ben. Tell me about your family. Is there anyone in your family that inspired you on this fitness journey or that you look up to or a friend, whether it's football or anything else that you said, there's there's somebody I'd like to emulate? Someone. I mean, I've always, I've grown up in sport. My mom's always been really sporty. Okay. I come from a big family, so there's six of us. Okay. Six siblings. Everyone's pretty much very sporty or used to be. So it's been part of me. But very in good. terms of football... No one was that interested in football, so it's quite a funny one. But I just completely became obsessed with it from a very young age. Okay. Who's your team, by the way? I need to ask. I know you're Tottenham. around London. Amen. Are you, are you I'm a Hotspur fan. Yeah, absolutely. We have yeah. my son's my son's big Arsenal fan. The other one's a Chelsea fan. My son and myself are Tottenham fans. So yeah. we've had a decent year, by the way. Yeah, yeah. It's not too bad. Very exciting. Very yeah. exciting. So if you think about, you, you mentioned your mom was very sporty. Have your siblings taken the same love of fitness versus football as they become older? Have they transitioned to the same level you are, or are they some variation? So I would say over the past five years, most of them have become more obsessed with training and fitness. Very good. Yeah, I would say that. How important do you think your social circles, whether it's your family or the people you associate with, how impactful are they on the health of your clients and you in particular? Massively. Mm-hmm. Massively right. important. I'm a very strong believer in role models. Right. And people you look up to are kind of who you wanna who you wanna be in the future. Do you help your clients assess their current situation? In other words, you know, if your current friends want to go to the pub and, you know, eat a box of chips and down four or five pints. And they do that four or five nights a week. That's going to be very difficult of an environment to be successful in. Yeah, yeah. But I think I think that's a very difficult part of mm-hmm. of your health journey. And I think it's 
one part that most people don't want to give up and won't give up. So it's about getting around that and trying to figure out how we can minimize the time that you uh, go and eat bad food or go and do something that they, uh, they not shouldn't be doing, but wouldn't benefit you. And I think people don't appreciate because when, when you begin your health journey and make the difficult decision and are willing to make those changes and your friends aren't, they'll resent you for it. Yeah. And they'll try to pull you back down to their level yeah. to make themselves feel good. And that's challenging. I think knowing when to have those discussions. And my brother-in-law, wonderful man, was an alcoholic. And his whole social circle, his work crew, his social crew, that's what they did seven days a week. And when he got married, his his wife had a, a daughter from her previous marriage. And, and she looked at him and said, I, I can't do that. He quit and moved out of state to where she was and didn't have a drink from that day forward. Remarkable. Yeah. Not very easy to do, right? Yeah. But he recognized he had to pull himself out of that environment and change his circle of friends. And a few friends, very few, stayed with him, right? Respected his decision, supported it. A lot of other people he would associate with did not. So I think that's got to be definitely you know, a big challenge for you because you can only do so much of that through the messaging and, and convince them that that's something to do. But if they do achieve that, it's a very it's it's very important part of their their new life. I would describe it. Yeah, no, definitely. What's the biggest challenge you faced when you went from being on the pitch to the gym? What was the biggest challenge you found in staying focused? I would say just just being able to drive through it when you're tired, or you've had a long day, or certain certain things that you want to do, like go out and say go to the gym or so on. But for me, it's more about how I feel. And how I look. So that was always the kind of driving force. I knew that once I finished the gym, I'd feel really good, refreshed. Any stress that I had would be taken away. So that was the uh, that was the driving force as to why I continued. Yeah, I can see that in your writing. That's what drew me to reach out. Is is I feel the same way, right? That exercise, that time in the gym is no one ever regrets a workout. Right? Mm-hmm. They don't regret. Oh, I wish I'd done that. They regret not doing it. So Ben, I want to I want to kind of wrap this up with a couple of questions about you know you've mentioned that you're early you're only nine months into having the app in front of customers. Where do you see it headed? In kind of, do you want to take this outside of the UK? Is it something that can be applied globally? What's the vision for the future? So I think it can be applied globally. I think okay we have an issue in terms of in the world with weight, obesity, and so on. And I think the only way that we can get around that is by creating apps and content around prevention and helping people understand and educate people. So I think this is something where anyone can come onto it, whether they're a a new starter or they're later on in their journey. And I want to turn it into a a platform where people can literally jump on and figure out what they're doing with their life or not their life, their whole journey, and then Mm -hmm. we can help them change it. What's the biggest thing you've learned with a few customers that you have that you will change in the app? What's the biggest thing? I think I think it would be giving them, say, probably, that's a tough question. It's a really tough question. But no, to be honest, we just, we're, at the moment, we're listening to feedback and we're constantly listening okay. to feedback. We want to build the app around the user. So it's all about understanding what they want at the moment if they like it, if they don't like it, and what will help them. In a sense, that's positive because sometimes if I ask that question, there may be something glaring standing out like, oh, we didn't expect this. But the fact that there wasn't means you've 
you've kind of hit it pretty strong in the first cut, right? And now you're fine tuning it and gathering feedback. So congratulations. That's thank you. That's not something people do with it with an app in this in this type of environment. So what's the goal for 2023? How many users would you like to have on the platform? How many users? Fifty thousand. Fifty thousand is a great yeah, goal. I mean, realistically, realistically, I'd say between ten and thirty. So that's quite a big range. But uh, how many do you have now? It's in the hundreds now. Okay, still yeah. that's great. If you got a couple hundred people using it, getting yeah. into ten thousand or thirty thousand would be a really big goal. Yeah. Fantastic. And and you're primarily you're going to keep posting on social, try to drive as much traffic that way, and build out uh, build out a following. Very good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Who is the most ideal? candidate for the program is there an age a demographic a gender that you find people resonate well so i would say someone that doesn't like the typical exercise which is going to the gym going for a run whatever it is i think it's also someone that doesn't understand their food Mm -hmm. so in terms of the uk that's quite a high amount of people sure very good and from a guy who loves to go to the gym and eat right that's interesting that you're reaching out to the other side of the aisle very good, Ben. Well, I'll continue to support your content, obviously, and hope that you hit that 30,000, maybe 50,000 user stretch goal in 2023. Thanks for joining the program. I really appreciate it. Best of luck and go Tottenham. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it. Cheers. Thanks for checking out Eating Crow. Like and subscribe so you never miss a video.